Steve and I review the spring metagame on episode 13 of So Many Insane Plays. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of So Many Insane Plays. I'm Kevin Crone with Stephen Menendian. Hi folks. In this show, we're going to talk about the vintage metagame, especially now that Dark Ascension has been integrated into the environment. We've got lots of good recent results to talk about. It's very interesting stuff. As we go through the show, if you have any comments or questions, please tweet us at ManyInsanePlays or email us at SoManyInsanePlaysPodcast at gmail.com. get things started in this episode, let's talk about some announcements. We have our next Vintage Mean Deck Open coming up in Columbus, Ohio on March 18th, and we're moving to a new store location, Comic Town on Morse Road. If you follow the Columbus magic scene or the Central Ohio magic scene at all, you've probably heard about Comic Town. It's, it's a great store. We're looking forward to being over there for the first Mean Deck Open Vintage Style. We'll probably be there going forward. Also, coming up on the 20th, we have our next Banned and Restricted list update, and while we don't anticipate anything significant happening on the vintage front, we always like to pay close attention to that. I would say the only thing we would expect to happen this time would be a long overdue unrestriction, don't you think? Last time, we had no announcement, no right. changes, and then before that, Factor Fiction, but I don't think anything's going to change. Yeah, Factor Fiction, we talked about at length, it just wasn't impactful to the environment. We are excited, as usual, to talk about the Vintage Metagame again. We have some early results, several tournament results, actually, in the last month, month and a half, now that Dark Ascension's been integrated in the environment. And we really just want to take a look at what has happened, what has developed since the set came in, specifically the effect of Graph Digger's Cage, but in general, now that we've got some recent results. So, Kevin, what do you make of the Vintage metagame? Well, now that we've got some Dark Ascension results in, the big winner from an archetype standpoint, I think, Workshops, which is putting in a lot of top eight appearances. Are the Workshop decks concentrated in the New York area, or are they, broad, are they broadly represented? I believe they're broadly represented. Certain builds are indicative of New York, like Espresso Stacks is still very popular up there. But they're spread pretty uniformly across the United States and Europe. Okay. Yeah, how was the metagame different from what you expected or what we predicted? <sighs> well, two key things stand out to me. Creatures, which we were obviously discussing in our last few episodes about how they were on the rise, but Tarmogoyf decks have won more than half of the tournaments we've observed lately. What? Yeah, these Tarmogoyf decks, we're talking Noble Fish, lots of Grow variants, Bug, Snapcaster decks that have Goyfs, Remora decks that have Green Sun Zenith packages, Mm -hmm. Bant, pretty much almost every flavor of Goyf decks, aside from straight-up red-green beats. But Goyf is all over the place, and it's winning. 
which is key. It's not just about appearances. Appearances, in terms of archetypes, are spread pretty evenly. There's lots of there's lots of diversity still, but Tarmogoyf is the big winner, taking home first place. Well, didn't we talk a lot about Goyf being on the rise? I mean, wasn't <laughs> that like the central theme of our last podcast? I would agree with you, but I would never have expected this kind of result. I would never have expected Goyf to really just take charge. What about uh, his brother-in-arms, uh, Stoneforge Mystic? Very rare at this point. There are a couple of Stoneforges in a Bant list. Our teammate, Brian DeMars, came up with a really cool Bant deck, which he brought to the Mean Deck Open a couple of weeks back. Such a deck happened to win another tournament out in Los Angeles recently. Other than that, Stoneforge hasn't really made its place like it has in other Eternal formats, like it has in Legacy. Is? Do you I, think Stoneforge can compete with Goyf? Yes, I absolutely do. Stoneforge for, for Batter Skull is, a, is an excellent so answer good. to Goyf. So good. I think the challenge with Stoneforge is a perception issue. I don't think vintage players are, are prepared ready. to... Yeah. They're not ready for it stuff. yet. Also, Stoneforge is inherently slow. It is a two-casting-cost tutor, which on the surface would sound, well, geez, demonic tutor by comparison. But it's not. It's limited. You're going to generally get one of two cards in your deck, so it's a little more like Merchant Scroll. And you're going to get a card like Batter Skull that requires you to commit basically four mana to get your results out of it. Now we're starting to sound like a little bit of a slower, clunkier version of a card like <laughs> Diabolic well, Tutor. One or of the things I like about Stoneforge Mystic is the versatility in mm-hmm. terms of the options. You know, so you don't just have to get Batter Skull. You can get Elbrus or Sword of Fire and Ice or a Jit. That's true, except in terms of in-game scenarios, you're almost always only going to have two equipment in your deck. Sure. A three-equipment vintage deck, you I would should, be very you might have surprised. one in the sideboard. So, That's true. I mean, you might have a third option in the sideboard. But there are options. There are definitely options. I think there's a short list, like you said, maybe six mm-hmm. equipment that could see play. It's almost always going to include Batter Skull so and then one other option. So are you suggesting the Pier more frequently going forward? Well, I, I definitely think it will. I think it will because as as a one-on-one, it's very good at fighting Tarmogoyf. So there's yeah. a reason right Does there. It, do you think it trumps Tarmogoyf? <laughs> In the right deck, yes. With the right equipment package, yes. Which, what, which is what? Well, Batter Skull is huge against Goyfs. They can outgrow it, but not early. Not in the, sorry, the first two or three turns, commonly. Another option is sort of Feast and Famine, giving you protection mm-hmm. from Goyf, which is mm-hmm. incredible. A, stone, mm-hmm. a Stoneforge carrying the Sword of Feast and Famine stands up, obviously, very well to a Goyf. Also, inherently, if you're playing Stoneforge, you're playing white, and we go back and forth on this in the vintage metagame, but sort of, sort of <clears throat> excuse me, Swords to Plowshares oh, yeah. is the universal trump to a Tarmogoyf and many other the creature decks that are popular. So I think all those factors combined mean that Stoneforge is poised. So you, you mentioned that Goyf is really big right now. What else is is notable about the current vintage metagame? Well, there is still a fair bit of diversity, and all the old stalwarts are still around. Well, you would mention that Dredge was a big surprise. Well, yeah. Honestly, that is my biggest surprise. Out of recent top eights, I've got eight tournaments, their top eight decks listed in front of me. Out of those eight, five Dredge decks have made the top eight. Now, for so an, a little less than one, one per top eight. I mean, that's... Which, 
when you think about it's how like six or seven percent of the field of top eights rather, and it's not as though Graft Digger's Cage is not seeing play. It's very popular. It's showing up. I don't have I don't have all the stats assembled, but it's showing up as three and four ofs in lots of sideboards. Wow. And it's showing up very commonly as one ofs in certain decks like Bomberman, which we predicted. So do you think Dredge has declined, or is it? Is it? It has definitely declined. It hasn't okay. won any of these events. Although Mark Hornung, <laughs> I guess Mark Hornung's performance in the Grudge match recently is an exception. And he, it's a very interesting scenario there. He played Mental Missteps to fight the Cages. It was very well, we very well metagamed. That. We yeah. even talked about that, right? That, I, but I don't think that's caught on. And, and the Nature's Claims and things like that. We talked about that. Additional, uh, yes, that's right. Additional Nature's Claims to fight main deck Cages and just make more room in general. So Mark definitely took that to heart and did very well. But there are four other top eights in the recent events that I'm just generally surprised. Yeah. Not all of them, so, in my estimation, are well metagamed against Cage either. So what are you playing right now in Vintage? Well, I like Tarmogoyce right now. I, really? <laughs> yeah, what, I what, do. What, what are you playing? Well, I played Bug, which was a basically a Snapcaster Goyf Trigon deck recently, and I'm working on a version that also has some white to get that Swords to Plowshare as action. What about Dark Confidant and Tarmogoyf? Well, our teammate Paul Mastriano played Bug to a top 8 finish recently and he was running confidants the list that i put together eschewed confidants for gush which is not as we know in either or but in order to make room for gush i cut confidants and i ended up running a whole bunch of main deck trigons as a hedge against shops numerically speaking in terms of individual archetypes shops are placing the highest in the recent metagame so I like to hedge against shops. Trigon Predator so, has become a mainstay next to Tarmogoyf so and Main Do you decks. like Snapcaster Mage right now? I do like Snapcaster. Has it, hasn't it seen a giant dip? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have those numbers in front of me. Snapcaster is definitely being played. Jace decks are jockeying between Bobs and Snapcasters, sometimes both. So it's definitely seeing top eight appearances here. I don't have the data on before versus so after. So how did though. you do with your bug deck? <laughs> Well, the bug deck that I put together initially was uh, pretty successful at the, uh, what was the tournament that I played that bug deck Team at? Team Serious Open. The Team Serious Open, thank you. I got I wasn't able to go. third slash fourth place with that one. I was pretty pleased with it. But the thing that I noticed... What, what did you face? I faced Workshops. I faced Dredge twice, once in the Swiss, once <laughs> in the Top 8, which was good given the sideboard that I put together. And I faced other Goyf decks. Uh, I managed to... How many Goyfs do you have? I was running three. Do you think, like, three is... I think three is a fine starting point. I think you can justify four. But there are lots of alternatives. There's a deck that won in Selden, a Remora aggro control deck, I would say, that had Green Sun Zenith, and then one ofs. One Goyf, one Trigon, one Ooze. Sun Rembrandt to Mars' Zenith package. Right. Similarly, but very few. And then there's Brian's Bant deck, which can get away with just running a single Goyf if it has multiple Green Sun Zenith. So would you have... Anything different at that tournament you went to? Yes, Dismember I was very disappointed with. I ran Dismember as a targeted creature removal, as a hedge against lodestone golems. I was heavily metagaming against shops. Well, I wanted to stay with three colors <laughs> to have islands, and I didn't have a lot of other good fixing like lotus. How many Cobra. islands did you have? I had two plus another basic <laughs> in the board. <laughs> yes, I know these things are possible. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted to avoid. I wanted to be able to fetch out basics more I've often. Seen is a lot of lightning bolts around. Yes, blue red decks. Especially lightning bolt has showed up in blue red fish, blue red land still, and welder it's control, snapcaster place. control. It's yeah, it's in multiple archetypes. 
Which is weird because it doesn't usually kill a goy, does it? No, not usually, unless it's on turn <laughs> one or two, and even then, it's it's sketchy. <laughs> so, so wh- why is lightning bolt everywhere? I think just because of efficiency and because, because lots of people are playing a hedge against lodestone too. Bob and, and lodestone, and because it's not such a bad answer if your opponent gets turn one Bob to bolt it on the spot. Oh, that's a very good answer. Yeah, it's not a bad, not only not a bad answer, it's an excellent answer. <clears throat> But it seems like if you're playing Snapcaster Mage, wouldn't you want a lightning access to lightning bolt? <laughs> well, speaking for myself, I'd want access to swords to plowshares more. But you than don't lightning have bolt. white, so well. But that's why I'm switching. <laughs> oh, so you're going to add white, and you're going to cut what? I, I'm not sure what I'm going to cut exactly. I think I'm going to. Well, I was running black almost entirely for the broken cards, demonic vamp and yogwill. You could like one or two C's and then run white at Tundra or two. You could. And I think I'm going to run more Snapcaster Mages, so I think I'm going to cut back on Goyf. I think I'm going to cut back on a Trigon. I was running three in the main. That's a little bit of overkill. I'm just going to take a new look at the deck. I don't I don't know how many main deck swords to run, but I think you got to start at two and maybe run three with how well Goyf is performing and with shops being right behind it in terms of omnipresence in the top eights. You just... We'll pretty much always have a target for. I really swords. like the idea of four color, sort of like Goyf deck right yeah. now. Okay. I mean, I like the idea of running a little bit of black, you know, some swords, mm-hmm. you know, some Trigon, you Snapcaster. Know. Snapcaster is fine. You can go that way, or you can go the Gush way. Either way. This, you know, this reminds me of. Four color. This reminds me of one of the comments that we made near the end of our last episode, which is how vintage is starting to look more and more like Legacy. What we're talking about here is a common legacy-style build. Well, that was sort of the theme of our last podcast as well, that Grafdigger's Cage takes out the most broken strategies and leaves you with the most efficient, like threats. But I don't, I don't think it's actually the thing that's doing that, which is so interesting. What is it? I don't believe that Cage is... Pushing Vintage in those directions? No, I really don't. That's contributing. I believe it's contributing. I believe it's a secondary effect. Which, which is what? What's the primary driver? The stuff we talked about from last year? I think that the trend toward creatures is what's happening more so than the influence of Cage. So it's Remora and... Right, and Landstill. And Landstill. It's just all these contributing factors, and then it's becoming a bit of an arms race, where who can have the best creature deck then? And I ran into this problem in the Team Serious Open. The the deck that won that deck piloted... I'm sorry, the deck that won that event piloted by Paul Barclay was basically Selkie Strike, or Noble Fish, depending on how you... Was he playing Talia? No, he was not. So as long as these creature strategies are dominant, Tali is going to be a disadvantage. Yeah, that's a good point. And she is not putting up good numbers in terms of top eights. I'm not surprised given what you just said. If Goyf is everywhere... Yeah, she's just so, not that So great. what are the strongest strategies? Goyf-based decks seem like the strongest strategies. How are Gush decks doing? Gush is still present, mostly in form of Gush Grow decks. So these are Goyf other... decks. These are Goyf decks, or and frequently bug lists that still run Gush as the draw engine, which is what I was playing, so... I think this is becoming a very popular alternative. What do you think are the strongest strategies in the format? You have to either be running Goyf and or have a powerful answer to it, a reliable answer to it. Well, that that was actually my next question. Can you run a deck without Goyf? (laughs) (laughs) Short answer, yes. Long answer, you probably should still have Goyf anyway. But if if you're playing Dredger Shops, you can't, obviously. Granted, granted. And Dredge, as we've seen, can still prey on the unprepared, so it's still valid. But honestly, I unless I had a really good anti-Goyf plan... Which is, would be what? I don't know. That's why no so one can seem to beat them. Sower like the, the answer. Well, that's the thing is, I, I how many sowers are you going to run? I wouldn't run... I would be crazy to run more than two, 
And I think one is a fine solution. Yeah, two seems fine. Yeah. But at the same time, I still wouldn't be running Goyce in that deck. <laughs> is there a more efficient way to steal opposing Goyce? Well, absolutely there are. There's Threads of Disloyalty and Mind Harness. With how viable would Mind Harness be? I think Mind Harness is highly viable. It has a lot to do with how Can popular... Can green? Or green, green or, or red. red. Yep. has a lot to do with how popular Kwasali Pride Mage is, <laughs> since he seems to go hand-in-hand hand with Goyf in a lot of cases. And also, it's it's obviously still susceptible to mental missteps, so it's never going to be a great answer. What do you think is, are the, let's say, top five best anti-Goyf tactics? Just list them out. <clears throat> Summarize. Summarizing S- Swords to plowshares, your own Goyfs, assuming you have other ways to make them better. Sower of Temptation. Boy, after that it's really difficult. The other spot removal like Doomblade. Um, Doomblade seems pretty good. Doomblade is very good, and it kills Lodestones as well. But it's not quite as good as Plow. And then after that it gets it gets too diverse. I mean, there are so many other things that are decent against Goyf, but there are just I mean, very both, few both is a very good tactic spot answers. Goyf, but then you have the same problem. I think... I, also, I think that the Time Vault key is a very strong anti-Goyf tactic. Oh, well, okay. Those are good, very good points. Tinker <laughs> is yeah. a very good... I wasn't thinking about restricted stuff. I think that the Oath as a card is a fine answer to Goyf. Oath as a deck in a Goyf <laughs> environment right now is going to have trouble because Oath of... Oath just be amazing right now, if not for Cage? There are just so many things against it. I think it's p- possible to metagame a decent Oath deck. And it's not as though Oath is completely gone. In my top eight analysis, I think I saw two out of eight tournaments. So it's not... But this would be a ripe environment for Oath, so that it, tells you something. It could be. It yeah. very well could be. If you're playing a Goyf deck in this day and age, don't leave those cages at home. <laughs> so if you're playing green, you're playing Goyf. If you're not playing green... Your options are Doomblade for black, Swords and white, and Stoneforge Mystic and white. And Dismember. And Sower. And Dismember in every deck. What does Landstill use? Landstill is using Sower and Jace, unfortunately, to try and fight it, and then possibly just trying expecting to counter it. So just going back I mean, to Dredge for a second. There's no secret that Goyf is simply good against Landstill. Do you think Dredge is, is poised to rise, or was it just pop, you know, a flash in the can or flash in the pan? I think that Dredge is just a very, very consistent deck that preys on tournament variants. Mm-hmm. You you get enough people that aren't good against Dredge or aren't prepared against Dredge, and you can go deep. It's not winning tournaments, because I think good players are prepared against it. And I think that you can, if you simply just want to make top eight, for example, Dredge is still a fine choice. Hmm. I don't think it's a tournament-winning deck right now. Right. But... That said, if you want the model for how to win a tournament with Dredge, go look at Mark's <laughs> tournament report for the Grudge match. I think it's really interesting how strongly shops are performing with Goyf so prevalent. <laughs> shop has inherent answers to Goyf in like Metamorph, and also these shop decks are pretty diverse. There are smokestack-based shop decks like Espresso Stacks. There are Metalworker decks. Metalworker Staff is a fantastic anti-Goyf strategy. Hmm. <laughs> Just win the game like Key Vault. And also, some of these decks are running giant beasties, the likes of Steel Hellkite or Worm Coil Engine. Worm Coil Engine, pretty difficult to play in any other deck other than Workshop Aggro, but it's a good answer to Goyf. Hmm. Where do you think the metagame's going after this? These well, Goyf decks can't just continue to fight each other indefinitely. <laughs> it's really difficult to tell, um, because it's, it, we have results, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the uh, work you've done in and uh, collecting them and reviewing them. I also appreciate the fact that 
you know, that they reported and we were able to go through them and we've had some time to look at look at them. But uh, I'm not sure I see a lot of... It, it's difficult to say that it's not just white noise at this point. You know, that... You know, no, I'm not sure we see clear trends. I think that the tournaments are small enough. It's hard to say, you know, there is one thing happening. I do agree that Goyf seems to be a clear trend. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly thought Stoneforge Mystic would, would see a slightly more play. I tend to think that what we're seeing is an, uh, a very creature-centric stra- uh, set of strategies, and what you what is needed are cards like Swords to Plowshares, Soar of Temptation. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two keys, and I think any deck I was pl- I'd be playing that's blue, that's mm-hmm. not combo-ish, but probably playing with both cards, and as long especially if I'm playing white. And it just seems like you want right now. Well, that's it all. That's what I said. <laughs> I think it's important to note that we are. While we're looking at more than a month's worth of results here, the way the Vintage metagame generally works is there's a dedicated few who review tournament results every week on the Drain and on Morphling.D. Mm-hmm. Then there's the rest of the community, which is just playing event to event. Yeah. The players that have encountered this Goyf situation in the last four weeks haven't necessarily had a chance to get to their next event yet. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would argue that the Vintage metagame moves in probably four to six week intervals. But isn't isn't Swords just one of the best cards in the format right now? Well, I totally agree with Brian on that. Uh, right now, sure, but we're talking as people who have reviewed the metagame for yeah. two two months. Not everyone has had that experience. Swords is not good against Dredge, for example. Not very good against Oath if they're oathing up Emrakul. Not very great against Bob Jace decks that are planning to just control you. It's not Swordsing a Snapcaster is not so hot. So in the format before Dark Ascension, I would say Swords was not so hot. And there's still a lot of players who are just now playing in their first post-Dark Ascension tournament, just now seeing the omnipresence of of Goifs. And I think the time is now for that kind of response, basically. The things that you're observing, I think they are the next step. Well, if I was playing a deck, a blue deck, tomorrow, I would consider playing something that has maybe three or four swords, two to three Trigon Predator, one to two Agent of Bolas, maybe one Jace, and then... Did I say Sower already? Mm-hmm. No, not yet. Yeah, and then two Sower. Very interesting. How, I'd be playing a four-color deck. What, I would not play Bob. What else are you working in to support your Agent of Bolas? You can play Tops? Oh, and I would play like a Paragoyfs. See, the thing is, if I play Agent of Bolas, I really want to play Bob and then Top. <laughs> Bob and Tops seem to go really well with Agent of Bolas. I think for, that you, deck, for that deck, I might just have Jaces. But if I were playing Bob, I would play Agent of Bolas. Right. Um, but, but I'm thinking like maybe like two Goyfs, Three or four plows, two sower, probably three trigon cutter. If that's the route I'm going, I'm probably playing Kush. I mean, that deck seems, and it'd be four color, and I'd have like one to two underground seas. Did you already say Snapcaster? No Snapcaster, because I'd have Gush. I see. So the deck would be like one C. I might even play City of Brass. No, I can't if I'm playing Gush. <laughs> but I would be playing C, one C, and it would just be Vamp DT Yog Will for black. Mm-hmm. And then I would play two Tundra, two a three-trop, and then an island, and then fetch. Mm-hmm. I really think that would be a great deck. Since we've talked about it so many times before, what kind of counterspell package do you think is right these days? Well, I, I'm still a huge fan of uh, Mental Misstep. So I'm probably going to go heavy on Mental Misstep. I'm probably going to play four, four Force, uh, four Preordain, three, probably three Mental Misstep, and two Flusterstorm. Interesting. No love for Spell Snare? I appreciate what Spell Snare does, but I probably won't play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Spell Snare has plenty of targets in the environment, but it's not right for every deck. 
Steve, I want to talk about something that I've observed that is interesting about the cage in Vintage right now and about how it's not keeping Dredge out of the loop. Cage, while it's being very much played, it's still not dominating, per se. And I think I think I have a name for the phenomenon that I'm feeling, and that is critical mass. Now that has a lot of term that has a lot of meanings in different schools, so I'll, let me explain what I mean there. What I think Vintage is de- demonstrating right now is that for any given card effect or type of card or role of card, I would say, in your deck, there are just more options than you could possibly use. To, like, duress the Thazis. Right. To, like... Disruption, counterspells, artifact removal, graveyard hate, creature removal. In almost every category, with some exceptions, but in almost every type of role that you put into your deck, Vintage is now just riddled with options. No one plays eight, eight duresses, right. usually, unless you're at Nauseam. And we've recently talked about the Cambrian Age of counter magic yep. in the format. That's just a, a, a poster child. I think that Cage called to my attention this effect more and more recently. Cage is very good. It's being played very much. People aren't playing, numerically speaking, more graveyard hate than they were before. They're just playing more flexible graveyard hate. And so I'm wondering, I find myself wondering if Vintage is starting to demonstrate what I would call a more pure form of magic, like a pure environment where there are just so many versions of anything you could want that the only real pressure in the format is the metagame itself. So you mean pure in the sense it's internally focused, that external shocks the metagame aren't going to influence the metagame very much? Yeah. Now, I grant that new printings are still relevant, but it just feels like the format is so... It's becoming complete. It, well, it's, it's, a, it's a confluence of factors. I, I believe, yes, it's internally motivated. Players, we've already touched on in this podcast about why is Goyf so big right now. Goyf's not big because of Cage. Goyf's big because people just started playing Goyf in response to other strategies. It was just two or three months ago that Landstill was killing tournaments and performing over and over again. People realized, well, heck, I want to play a turn one or two Goyf against the Landstill deck. It's that... five months ago at this point. Yes. <laughs> okay. It feels still more recent to me because Landstill is still making top eight. But anyway, that kind of internal thing I feel is the driver now more so than any one given card. There so, are certain so what are you what are you what's your argument? I'm just simply postulating that Cage is an example of something that will is the norm and maybe not already the norm, but is becoming the norm, which is that new printings, even if they're very novel, like Cage is, as as we've discussed at length, they really can't shake things up that much. They just, people will adapt to them, people will only add as many cages as they think they want, and life goes on. And right now, Goyf is a bigger story than Cage, even though Cage was a brand new, highly efficient, wow, incredible impact to the format kind of card. I don't know where I'm going with this. I feel like it just speaks to the health of the environment, and how great Vintage is, and how it's really the only format that can elicit this kind of behavior, with the possible exception of Legacy. What do you think about that notion of how Cage, with how novel it was, still is just a, it's just a role player in the format? Well, okay. I think that uh, there are a number of ways of approaching this question. But I think the first thing you have to sort of recognize is that the, the vintage metagame, is a, like any metagame, it's a very complex system, and that there are lots of things going on. Think about it in terms of the economy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got you know millions of actors, you've got... You know, tens of thousands of businesses 
making little transactions every day, and you're you want to make how can you change the entire economy? <laughs> well, not even the president, not even the Federal Reserve, with all its policy-making authority, can produce a dramatic change in the economy overnight. Mm -hmm. They can you know change interest rates and increase or decrease the money supply. I think this goes to something we were talking about when Cage had been previewed, which is that a big change is a, can be viewed as a small change, relatively <laughs> speaking. You know, this is sort of like Mike Baumol said, this is like a, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that, the point is that like a 3 or 4% change is really a huge change from one perspective and a tiny change from the perspective of the economy as a whole. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a huge change, relatively speaking, that very few things have the power to change, you know, the vintage metagame by more than a few points, you know, to push things around. You know, I think the, 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 the most impactful changes in terms of vintage tend to be restrictions. And the reason for that is, is, uh, is logically obvious. Mm -hmm. New printings have a big imp can have a big impact, especially if the card is very played. But what is what is like the threshold number of car of, of appearances for any given period that you would feel comfortable describing a card as heavily played? In terms of top eight appearances, sure. I would say that if it's a four of not about four, but if it's represented in in its typical amount in say two to four top eight decks consistently, that's heavily played. Go. Well, any card that is going to be restricted. Is automatically meets that qualification. Agreed. So taking it out necessarily transforms the metagame system because well, it's so central. And, and bans and restrictions are equivalent to the Fed changing interest rates. They're designed. They're to, actually more to, powerful. Than well, than granted, but yeah. they're designed to enact that kind of change. Yeah, it's kind of like what's the largest company in the economy? Let's take it out. <laughs> right. You know, like, exactly. We're going to shut it down. Antitrust violation or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just an enormous. I mean. You know, um, uh, when the when the Fed changes interest rates, it takes it from like two point five to three. Right. You know, and, yeah. and granted, you know, there are magnifier effects or you know, like a stimulus effect in the economy. You know, uh, there's a multiplier. But but the point is that, you know, I think that it's really easy to take both sides. That something is this is a very dramatic, huge change, or this is a very small change, and so. I think your argument is both true and false. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> In the sense that um, Grabdigger's Cage um, is an answer. It's a proactive answer, but it's an answer. It doesn't have the transformative power that a restriction does, mm -hmm. nor could it ever, mm -hmm. because it sometimes isn't going to be in hand, it's sometimes going to be dead, nor does it have the transformative power of a threat. I don't think that any answer can have the same transformative power. And the reason is this. Decks are not built around answers. They're built around threats. You design a deck around a strategy. Now, your strategy might be not losing the game, at which point <laughs> Grafter's Cage can become an important tactic. Right. But that's still not a strategic play. You know, you build decks around Jace the Mind Sculptor. You build decks around Tinker Time Vault. You build decks around Lodestone Golem. Mm -hmm. you know, Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf is it what is has become a transformative printing in vintage. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, it, re it really has. I mean, the format would be very different if Tarmogoyf did not exist. So, I think the Tarmogoyf example is a good one because you're right. It, it is having a powerful impact from a printing standpoint, but at the same time, it was printed several years ago, many years and, ago now. And when it was first so, printed, we, we didn't play with it a lot, and and then it, it we saw it saw heavy play in some of the Grow variants. 
it's worth pointing out that Tarmogoyf, I consider my observations to be born out of relatively recent results also. I mean, vintage has changed a lot in the last two or three years. Sure. And the phenomena that I'm observing, I think, is only possible in the last few years. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just point to two things. First of all, the rise, certainly the rise of Lansdell is a precipitating factor, but even the rise of um, Lodestone Golem, I mean, Goyf is a far more attractive tactic than it Mm. would have been in a very different environment. Right. You know, unlike a workshop control environment, it's probably still pretty good, but I'm not sure it's as good. You're, you're touching on metagame aspects, though, which are definitely related to what I'm getting at. But I, what I really am feeling is the impact of new printings. What I'm feeling is that is that new printings so you just don't, don't have Snapchat, the power... You don't think Snapcaster was transformative? <sighs> Boy, that's it's really on the edge. Yes, I, I it was obviously transformative. It's being heavily played, but at the same time... It's nothing new. Trap Snapcaster is not making new vintage decks. It's just putting little two one flash guys into Bob Jace. That's all it's really become. I don't, I don't disagree with you, but I do think that both Jace and Lowstone Golem last year, two thousand, the year before last, were both gigantic printings. Well, they both created new decks and new strategies. Well, I would argue that Lodestone didn't make a new deck. It, it went in and made an existing deck very good. But yeah, I don't that's, really think Workshop Aggro was that good. It was already a deck, though, I mean, right? It's already a deck, but that's like saying, you know... Well, I mean, we've been talking about Workshop Aggro for ten years. <laughs> it's not... Aggro Control was a deck, but was it as good without Goyf? No, you're, you're right. There's no denying that Lodestone and Jace are, are two standout examples. So your point about threats versus answers is well taken. Graftrigger's yeah. uh, Cage is almost inherently a sideboard card. It's a good one, yeah. good enough that you can main deck it, but it's like Red Elemental Blast. You... No amount of Red Elemental Blast is going to stop Blue from being played. I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, going back to Scars of Mirrodin, so, you know, what are the biggest printings since Scars? The most transformative printings have to be Golem and Golem and Jace, I think. New printings. I mean, you have lots of great tactics. Hold know? on, I'm confused about your timing. Scars of Mirrodin... Scars of Mirrodin... Do you mean, do you mean Mirrodin, Mirrodin? No, Scars of Mirrodin. Going but, back to Scars of Mirrodin. Scars... That was after Lodestone and Jace. That's my point. Okay. I'm sorry, yeah. Th- 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 that really was my point, and then I momentarily thought that it was printed <laughs> afterwards. So, yeah, there's World Wake, but going back to Scars of Mirrodin, the point is that since Jason World Wake, yeah. they're really, you really haven't seen a transformative printing, but it doesn't mean there can't be. It just happens to be that there haven't been enough po- high enough power printings. All the high Could power be. printings have been either replacing the Dark, Dark Steel Colossus with Blightsteel, well, which actually has had a gigantic impact. It has. I mean, it's taken out Mirror, Battle, Sphere. Almost all other... Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this at length. Yeah. That had a big impact. Metal Misstep, Fluster Storm, Craft Trigger's Cage. But most of those cards but, are all answers. You know, uh, my whole premise has a big caveat, and that is it is still possible to make unique cards. Well, let's look at let's look at Scars of Mirrodin for a second. Yeah. Because Scars of Mirrodin had a card that saw more play than Snapcaster Mage. Mm-hmm. And that was Steel Hall Kite. Mm-hmm. But look what happened to that. It disappeared. <laughs> and the card That's was true. huge for a while. That's true. everywhere. But do you think it was a new printing that got rid of Steel Hellkite? Metagame shift. Interesting. I think it was a mixture. I think that Phyrexian Metamorph and Revoker both contributed heavily to the disappearance mm-hmm. of, by making that deck faster and oh, more aggressive and giving it better answers at yeah. cheaper casting costs. So this, but, the, the but that's evo- very different. It's evolutionary. If Grafdigger's Cage did not affect Oath, I think the Oath would be a bit huge right now. It'd be really big. So maybe I'm just not seeing the what would have been without the cage. We'll, we'll see. 
yeah. and, and Oath may still have its time to shine. But but I do think you have you have you are onto something, and this is why I say you're you're both true and false. I think the metagame right now, you have so many powerful st- strategy, strategic options mm-hmm. between Dark Confidant, Jace, Gush, etc., 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 Mr. Grimoire, etc., etc. You have so many; those are engines, but you have so many strategic, excellent strategic options that it's very difficult for a new printing to come in and make a big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, Snapcaster Mage probably makes as big of a difference as you can make without being as Absolutely superlative, right? As a Jacer or a Lodestone Golem, right? So it's likely that most of the changes at the vintage for the foreseeable future are going to be driven internally, as you remarked. Right. Although there'll be lots of tweaking at the edges, and maybe Snapcaster really is the poster child for what I'm observing. It is a very powerful and efficient card. Obviously, it was playable right off the bat, but it didn't spawn new archetypes. It just Integrated. Well, I, would argue, I would argue that the the Jace Snapcaster deck is different. I mean, you could say it's a different. Jace it deck. plays out a little differently, and it has yeah. access to different tactics. So, yeah. but at the same time, it really was just. It it really is only five cards different than what we had before. I mean, it's the classic vintage deck criticism. I think sure. in 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 function. But, but it's, it's at least as different as Gush and Bob decks are. That's a good point. Uh, it is. Five or six cards does make for a different play out in, in vintage decks. But I like your point about how big differences can be disguised as small differences. Because the simple fact that Snapcaster is showing up in two or three decks in, in top eights consistently is a demonstration of the fact that it has influenced the environment. It has yep. changed the environment. It just so happens that the deck that it's in looks a lot like what was there before on paper. Mm-hmm. But it's it's having its effect. And maybe that's maybe that's just the standard going forward. Is Unless the card itself is Jace the Mind Sculptor level unique, unless it's that unique and new, it really can't overhaul the environment. It's not like a new card makes a new deck, takes over the metagame. That just doesn't happen. Never happens, yeah. Right. Even Jace, for as strange and unique as he is, is still only a two-of in a lot of these decks. Yep. He's just been integrated as another tactical option. He replaced some other cards, made your whole deck more efficient on average. And that's basically what Cage did, too, is it just made your deck that much more efficient. I think the weird thing in Vintage right now is looking at how all these decks are playing lots of, like, twos-ofs and threes-ofs. Uh-huh. You know, and like how a lot of the restricted cards that you would think would be automatic inclusions are disappearing. I know. I've observed the same thing in my own deck construction. Myst, myst, sorry, Mystical Tutor, Merchant Scroll, these Ponder. cards. Ponder. These cards are increasingly on the chopping block for me. Not me, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what no, about but, preordained? But, but even people have to think, like, do I run Tinker in this deck? Like Brian was saying in his band deck, mm-hmm. like, that he doesn't like Tinker and, and Bloodsteel. He prefers just to have Green Sun Zenith. And Key Vault is another classic example oh, yeah, of just a... Disappeared, comes back, disappeared, comes right. back. And it dramatically influences how you play your games. You can make a two-card change in your deck and win all your games in totally different ways. If you're playing a deck that's planning on winning after, like, turn five or six, I can't imagine... And it's blue. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine not playing Key Vault right now, <laughs> given that Goyf is everywhere. But It's ironic. Key Vault is not good synergy with Goyf decks that are heavy on creatures. It just doesn't fit well into the deck. You don't right. want to spend a lot of time searching for and tutoring for this and that. But at the same time, as you said, in an environment filled with that kind of deck, it is a great out. It's just a fantastic universal. It doesn't matter how many Pride Mages there are on the board... You catch them when they're tapped out, and you just end the game. 
And so I recently wrote the, this long article on aggro. It's about a month ago. It's been on Eternal Central. It's done very well. But I developed an aggro deck for every color, non-blue color combination. Mm -hmm. And after all these conversations with you here, it occurs to me that the white ones are... You just have to play white for swords. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just need to be able to get rid of Goyce. Yeah, any... Goyce is a massive pain in the butt for Any me. primarily red deck just is hope, just completely hopeless I guess you against can, the Goyce. I guess if you have green, then you can have your own Goyce, but then you need a way to deal with the opposing Goyce. Right. Because it takes two Goyce to, you know, well, it basically takes three Goyce <laughs> to, to deal with one because right. you have to, you know, one can be blocked and if you're going to actually be able to deal damage. In order to get over on their one Goyce, you have to have three of your own. Yes. That's right. Otherwise, it's just a stalemate in both directions. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's why the Exalted is so critical. I think Exalted yeah. is key. Well, this is a very interesting topic. I'm glad we touched on it. I expect to refer back to this topic multiple times in the future. You and I are building up something of a library of the of theories and, and, and visualizations about the format. We've talked about the Cambrian Age of Counterspells. That's here to stay. Yep. We may refer to that sort of that sort of explosion in, in multiple other avenues. If you think about starting back with Leyline of the Void all the way through Graph Digger's Cage, we've now sort of fleshed out a full arsenal of mm -hmm. anti-graveyard hate such that there's far more than you can possibly yeah. shove into one deck. Absolutely. More than anyone would want more. Which is part of the reason why Dredge continues yeah. to be able to win. I mean, is to that... ask a question, you know, in the reader, our listeners can respond to this. Do you want them to print more graveyard hate? If, <laughs> you know, is there a need for more graveyard hate? If they printed more graveyard hate, would you use it? Right. Would you? <laughs> you know what? I, your example of Lodestone Golem, you and I talked about a little bit of this off the air, but you mentioned how I brought up Lodestone Golem as an example of an effect that was not unique or not new. It was just a juggernaut wearing a, a sphere of resistance, basically. And you, thorn. Yeah, Thorn. Sorry, not, uh, not Thorn. Uh, no, it's not, it's that, that card doesn't exist. But yeah. it's basically a juggernaut carrying a sphere of resistance, effectively. And you said, but that is unique. The fact that you get those both in one card is very unique yes. and has a powerful effect. Well, let me give you an example. So, I mean, well, the, I, I'm not here to debate you. Yeah. On that point. <laughs> well, I just go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's okay, right. I'll say this. So, you know, hydrogen is everywhere, right? <laughs> and oxygen is everywhere. But when you put it together, you get a totally unique chemical reaction. You see what well, I'm so, uh, yes, I think that analogy does hold up in magic. The, the two things by themselves were not good enough to be great in vintage. Juggernauts and spheres had existed before then. But the point is that the water is not the same as simply the sum of hydrogen and, and oxygen. Right. That the that there's a new thing, there's a newness to that combination. Mm -hmm. And I think that holds true for cards, that, you know, fusing two different cards together mm -hmm. doesn't just get you the Frankenstein version of the two cards. It's actually a new, it's something different. Yeah. Well, and it definitely had that kind of an impact on the metagame, that's for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah. I was just, I just found myself thinking when we're talking about these graveyard hate cards, no one of them is good enough to just seal the deal against Dredge. They have an answer to all but of is them. Is there anything that could be? What, design well, a card that seals the deal. But see, that's what I was thinking about. This is, is my point. What's the what's the lodestone golem of graveyard hate? <laughs> it's, it's possible to design one. There's no there's no reason why you couldn't. All you know what you need. All you need is a is a but, ley line that has hexproof. They can't be bounced. Yeah, and obviously there are still answers to such a thing. But you start well, to get to a point. Be? What would they be? Well, that uh, simplify. Hexproof, it can't be targeted. Simplify says all players sacrifice, sacrifice an enchantment. Exactly. I think that's the point, though, is that... <laughs> well, but we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're making each other's points here. Yeah. That demonstrates my point, that no matter what you develop now, 
the format is so deep that there is an answer. It's just a matter of, oh, I will pull this thing out of the drawer instead of right. na- nature's claim. But then that has, to your point, that has all kinds of other interesting effects. Simplify is awful against everything else that is played against Dredge. It's awful against Jailer and and uh, Tormod's Crypt and Cage and well, Ravenous Trap. It doesn't do anything well, except what fight. Dri- what I was driving at, though, is that there's no new... Basically, you, you've tapped out the range of possible graveyard, reasonable graveyard answers. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the ones that just are so efficient and so effective that how could you possibly trump them? And is there really a need for more? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, There's not, it's ridiculous. but I mean, need is the wrong word, though, because they're going to keep dro- developing magic right. cards. No, 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 the, no. There was, was there a need for Lodestone Golem? No, but the, the point is that in terms of vintage players complaining about Dredge, or vintage players who don't like Dredge, <laughs> or vintage players who want to be able to defeat Dredge, mm-hmm. do they have the tools to defeat Dredge? Yeah. I mean, what if, if they don't have the tools? Tell me what tool <laughs> design it, you know, because I can't imagine and besides something that's unreasonable, like hexproof leyline, seems to be preposterous. I well, mean, but hexproof leyline is only then wouldn't, better. Than wouldn't you have thought that that lodestone golem was preposterous if you'd been pitched it beforehand? I would have thought that was pretty over the power curve. Well, I was at Wizards when I saw it, and I, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Well, there you go. I'm simply saying that. They have certainly not exhausted the possibilities. There could be a lodestone no, golem no, no. for graveyard hate, uh, no, and it I'm could it could be the nail in the coffin for dredge. They could make they could make a two casting cost blue guy. No, dredge is the zombie that keeps coming back. Look at Snapcaster Mage. They could make a two casting cost blue creature that drew a card when it came into play and was a ley line. I mean, and they could make something. They could make something ridiculous <laughs> yeah. that we're not even conceiving of because it's just. Combining two things we never would have thought. I kind of think that no matter what they print, Dredge will have an answer to it. Or you know I what? I kind of feel like that. It could be more innocuous than this. Look at this. They could make a card where that's like a let's call it a preordain, something somewhat innocuous. Okay. But hold on. But the alternate casting cost is you remove your opponent's graveyard from the game. <laughs> Instead of paying its mana, that's not fair. Re- remove. It has to be a certain number of cards okay. though. Instead of paying its mana cost, you remove listeners, eight to ten cards in your opponent's graveyard. Tweet us what is the nail that would that would finally put away dredge? What card could they print that would destroy? Because I don't think there is one. I don't think there can be one. I think that there is no doubt that you can print more graveyard hate. Yeah. You could innovate. You can you can fuse existing cards. You could put you could put like fairy macabre and surgical extraction uh-huh. into an alternative Tormod's crypt. Did it also drew you three cards? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take out the drawing of cards. I'm just joking. Okay. I'm just talking about power that we would never conceive of. Right. You could fuse every single graveyard hate card that exists onto one card. Mm-hmm. I don't like seriously. You could take every single graveyard hate yep. and put it onto Grafdigger's cage. Leyline of the fairy cage. Yes. <laughs> I don't think it would make a no, difference. No wait. Yixlid Leyline of the fairy cage. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it would kill Dredge. Yep. And that's what I love about this format, I think. <laughs> this, this thing that I'm observing is actually what I really like and what I look for in a format. I just want there to be tons of options. Creativity in deck building is rewarded. Rogueness can be rewarded because you're, you're catching people without the preparation for you. And yeah. at the same time, preparation yes. is rewarded yes. if, if you examine a metagame. The bug fish deck that I took to the Team Serious Open was completely born out of observing recent tournament results. Yeah. And I feel like I was rewarded for it. Right. And I just, I think that's a, just one of the reasons why I love this format. Yeah. And it just goes, I'm so looking forward to this year, especially leading up to this vintage world. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be remarkable. I, but for the first time, I'm, I just felt the excitement for vintage world this year. Isn't it great? It's only like four months away now. It's going to be. <laughs> that's how you know you're a diehard for a format. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I know. We just got, just a couple days, maybe 48 hours ago, we got leaked the, not leaked, but previewed the art for the prize for Vintage Worlds this year, which is a new interpretation of Time Twister, which, well, number one, I don't love the art. It's just basically a big hourglass. It's kind of cool. But I was very surprised. Weren't you surprised to see another, basically, we're going to start over at the top of the list for the Power Nine again? Would you have been surprised if they'd made Soul Ring? I would not... I am more surprised that they're starting over. Several other cards wouldn't have surprised me. Soul Ring, Workshop, Bazaar, Mana Drain, Yawgmoth's Will. I, I, I wouldn't say surprise, but I'm... I would not know, have been unhappy. I have, no, I... I think the second art we got for Soul Ring from the from the Vault set was not a very good one. It's sort of like one ringish and yeah. not very inspired. I don't well, I don't particularly like I, this particular time twister. I disagree. Either. I really like. I think it's better than the other time twister. The first one they they did. I'm, I mean, it's no Mark Teton time twister, but but right. I, I love the dynamic color. I love the angle. You're like looking up at the time twister, and it's it's very much a twister. It's both, it, and that's the cool thing, is it's like got a tornado <laughs> effect. It looks like a twister, but it's also got these columns around it that make it look like an hourglass. Yeah. So it's this very cool, you know, tornado, you know, of time. And I love the blues and the hues, and I like the... It would look good on a card. Yeah, I love the way, and it, it does. It looks very much like a magic card. It uh, doesn't have, like, an enduring, necessarily iconic quality to it. It doesn't have that... Strangeness that a lot of the original <laughs> cards has yeah. have, but it's it's. I think it's great art. Well, personally speaking, the art is too literal for me. I, I don't like literalness in art. It's clever. It is a little clever, but you know they always. The Simpsons writers always used to say, "Clever is just the unique version of funny." No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't particularly yeah. find it very interesting, well, but I, I like the, the brainstorm art. I like that brainstorm art too, and I've already heard some people say I find that brainstorm art too literal too. But that's not neither here nor there. It is. It's I, very similar. I, yeah, it's very similar. I love it though. I it's think got, it's like, cool. Lightning bolt shooting out of the face. Yeah. And like into the, you know, into the, and you've got like the clouds baking up the brain. I like how the cloud is reminiscent of skull and brain at the same time. Yeah. I, I don't know how the artist did <laughs> yeah. that. But. I think it's very cool. Because, I would love to see that on a card. Yeah, it looks awesome. I one of the, to see the art. one of the awesome things about the MTG Salvation forums is that moments after an art like this is spoiled, you can guarantee that someone has made a mock-up of it. So yeah. I'll well, print off some many, of those. What legacy art have they printed? You mean for the championships? Yeah. I, I thought the first... Haven't they done just one? What was it? I don't year? even remember. I'm sorry. I'm completely blanking on what it was last year. Force of Will? Oh, it was Force of Will. Did they, has there been another one? I thought last year was the first. So, so this year's brainstorm, which makes uh, those poster children for Legacy, obviously. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what choices they make for Legacy after that. Exactly. After those that's two, my, that's my point. Yeah. In some ways, the vintage champs gets we get to we have it both ways because we get the new Legacy art, which are all vintage cards. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we get the Power Nine. So. That's true. It's nice to be the king. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing that interests me more than the art itself, I've never particularly loved any of these alternate arts. The only one I really love is the, the alternate Lotus, but that's neither here nor there. I really like the Time Walk. The Time Walk was pretty good, too. The Time Walk art was yeah. amazing. But, but I don't want, I'm not, this is not an art critic section here. What I want to talk about is the precedent they're setting here. I, was, I remain very surprised they're that gonna, they're just starting well, over. We know what the next eight years look like. But see, I don't agree. I tweeted it at Morrow and a handful of people in R&D, and none of them responded. I didn't expect them to. But I don't know. Does this really set us up for the next eight years? Or Why wouldn't it? 
because it's silly. I just you don't need to keep redoing this. Give us other give us another time vault for Pete's sake. It's not like there's a time limit. Relax. No, there's not. But I'm eager. Can, I want another do, card. They can do that later. And also, why go with Time Twister, a card that, by all admissions, is Isn't barely a member like, of the top yeah. 25 anymore? It's if we had it's a power 30, Time Twister might be on it. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it's no, just, it wouldn't. Time Twister is the time worst. Time Twister wouldn't even be in the You top need to 50. do. You need to do Time Vault. You need to do Necropotence. Necropotence. You need to do Yogmoth's Will. You need to do. Uh, workshop and Mana Drain and Bazaar, and you could do Voltaic Key before it's, it's inexplicable. Time before Twister Time is Twister. virtually unplayed and minted. It's just, very strange to have a card that sees almost no play <laughs> as, the, as the artwork. You know what it would be like? It would be like saying, Here you go, Vintage Championship. You get an alternate art Juzum Jin. Congratulations. This card was like good that. 15 years ago. It kind of is like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not trying to be ungrateful. Oh, I can't just wait puzzled. for next year's regrowth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after that we could get dark ritual. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be that lucky. Oh boy! Well, I'm excited that they're continuing with this program. Alternate art prize trophy is a very cool idea. Yes. I'm glad they're continuing to do yes. it, and I want to win it just like any other year. But it is a little bit puzzling to me. That's not going to temper our excitement for Vintage Worlds at all, though. So following up with that discussion, our question of the week this episode is, rather than Time Twister, what card would you like to have seen as the alternate art trophy prize for the Vintage Championships this year? I'm sure that our listeners out there can come up with many good examples. Don't forget to tweet us what you think at many insane plays, or email us at so many insane plays podcast at gmail.com. And as always, until next time, we wish you many insane plays.